Salutations, everyone, and welcome to the Triple R Podcast, the Retro Wrestling Report. My name's Warren. How's everybody doing? Fantastic episode for you today. We are chatting about Bash at the Beach, 1996, a pivotal turning point in WCW and in wrestling history. Uh, Let's bring in the compadres. Chris, brother, how are you? I, I'm, I'm still reeling. I just, I need a minute. I'm sorry. I just, I need a minute from the pay-per-view. It, it, was, it was, I can't believe this. I can't believe what just happened. I'm, I'm sure. No. Skip. skip I'm you are very hung up on the Carson City silver dollar match. Well, <laughs> no, but um, we'll, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. And. Now, let's bring in Justin. I'm a regular on this podcast, not a guest. Pilcher. Pilch, how are you? I'm good, Warren. Thank you for having me. Here you go. <laughs> I even try to lead you in with, you know, the same thing that we've gone over every single episode. And here we are, episode, full episode five, uh, episode 10 in general? No, Warren. It's like, Where are we at? It's like eight. It's like eight. It's eight? Okay. Yeah. So eight in general. And you're still trying to claim you're a guest. You're not a guest. You're you you come in the house. You don't even have to knock. You're just you're just there already. Uh glad to be back. Uh, you know. I didn't know if I was gonna get the call back to come back, so I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Well, I will say this, Pilch, we, we, we did speak to your, your team, and we knew that you had a uh, scheduling conflict, and I'm just really glad that you uh, uh, you know were able to sort it out so that you could be here. I know it's you know it's very difficult for you, but I, I, I really appreciate it. I just want you to know it doesn't it, it does not go unnoticed. You know, not being a regular on this show like I am, it it means a lot that you guys accommodate the guests. We try, we try. Did you get the? Uh, did you find the uh, fruit basket? Well, it was good. You know, a little too many pears for my taste. More of a tangerine clementine clementine guy. But I'll talk to I'll talk the, to Janine. We'll 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 square that away. The thought was there, so I appreciate it. Thank you. No problem. Anytime. This constant badgering of. Pilch being a guest is unjustifiably in a position that I'd rather not be in. Putting me in a position that I'd rather not be in. Just, just, I don't know. I don't even know what to say. I have no words. Unjustifiably in a position that I'd rather not be in. And I actually did not mean to hit it that second time. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) We'll We'll just get right down to it. Um, Bash at the Beach. So how uh, this is going to be a Chris versus Pilch episode. I will be keeping score. Mm -hmm. The winner will pick our next pay-per-view that we watch. Oh, boy. Um, 
How are you guys feeling? Any uh, words before we get started? Uh, no, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm no words yet. Um, I'm just, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to make some points. Uh, I'm ready to talk about the silver dollar match. Uh, let's go, man. Let's, let's go. Pilch, any thoughts before we get this show on the road? I'm just excited to be here, Warren. So thank you for having me again. Oh, gosh. Uh, let's just let's just get started. Uh, thank you. We will ring the opening bell and uh, tell you that Bash of the Beach 1996 came to you live from the Ocean Center in Daytona Beach, Florida. A capacity crowd of 8,300 people. It looked a lot fuller. I mean, it was full, but it looked like it was a lot more people than 8,300 um, from what I noticed with Tony Schiavone, Dusty Rhodes, and Bobby Heaton on commentary. Um, The first match on the card, two of the top cruiserweights in the division, Psychosis and Ray Mysterio Jr., uh, Ray picks up the win here. Uh, Chris, let's go to you first. Your thoughts on the match. So uh, I thought that this was a very on paper, you know, Ray Mysterio comes out. Psychosis comes out. I'm like, Ooh, this is going to be a nice, fun cruiserweight matchup. Um, that was one thing that WCW had that WWE. F at the time, WWE, didn't capitalize on, which was the vast number of cruiserweights and their fast-paced style, high-flying style. That was the reason why I was tuning into WCW, was to see Rey Mysterio, Psychosis, uh, uh, Parka, even though he's not really a cruiserweight, uh, Dean Malenko, you know, that, that kind of style of, you know, you got your... Your scrappy little guys out there jumping off of the ropes. You, you never know which way they're going to hit you. So I was really excited for this match, um, being the opener, getting my getting my blood going. Um, immediately, immediately concussed on a dive spot is uh, my first note. Um, there was a dive to the outside. It was psychosis dove and caught Rey Mysterio up against the guardrail, and they both smacked their domes. Real mm -hmm. hard onto the uh, onto the the bottom rail of the guardrail, and they were they they were blown up immediately. Um, the next note I have here, um, oh, <laughs> it was really funny. They were talking about the. It's like <laughs> these guys had never seen luchadors before, and so <laughs> them doing moves, you know, they didn't know how to call them. And they kept calling, they said, it, uh, oh, they called this move a Hurricane Rana. Uh, they didn't know how to say Hurricane Rana. And they kept calling it a, this this new style of Frankensteiner because that was their only experience with Scott Steiner's Frankensteiner for this move. And uh, I just thought that was really funny and kind of showed nowadays, you know, everybody does a Hurricane Rana. Every single person does a hurricane, but this was just like it was so new and flashy and like, oh, they couldn't identify or describe what they were seeing. I thought that was really good. 
Um, <laughs> uh, the brain was getting a lot of jokes in on these little little Mexican guys. I thought that was really good. Um, Ray was taking a beating uh, real early in this match, uh, and pretty much throughout the match, like Ray was getting beat up a lot. Uh, uh, the, the, the best spot of the night was the head scissors to the outside. I thought that was a great spot. Um, from the top rope, it was Ray Mysterio. Was it? It was Ray, Was it Ray Mysterio from the top rope? Head scissor to psychosis off of the apron to the outside. I just thought that was beautiful. Um, the finish. It was the uh, another Hurricane Rana or uh, yeah, it was a Hurricane Rana off the top finish, which I thought was great. Um, and there was one spot where I don't know what the ref was doing, but there must not have been. I thought there was a count count. I, was, I wrote down the note I have is uh, must be no count out because they were outside for a very long time, more than 10 seconds, and the ref was nowhere to be found, no count initiated whatsoever. I don't know what he was really doing, but uh, those are my notes. I really like the match. Rey Mysterio gets the win. Um, I did think that the match was a little long for an opener, but I wasn't unhappy about it. I could I loved watching the two of them go at it and all the high-flying you know high flying feats that they did but for an opener it was a pretty long match hilch what do you have for this opening contest with psychosis and ray mysterio uh you know first and foremost they invited mike tenay into the broadcast booth in this match which i thought was a great addition um i like how he said these two luchadors were the cream of the crop they were the... The cream of the crop! Perfect. Thank you. Chris made a lot of the points that I was going to make. I, I think the biggest point that he missed was the fact that you could take this match from 1996. You could place it in 2020 and it wouldn't look out of place. Like, the athleticism of both athletes is top-notch. You know, there's a lot of big spots. But also, they're... they're the beginning is a lot of technical mat wrestling too. And, mm-hmm. you know, not so much. They told a story because I don't think they did, but they had the best of both worlds. And we're, we're looking at a very young Ray Mysterio here. Young and, and tiny, tiny. He was so very little. tiny. And, uh, you know, while I have the mic, uh, have I told my Ray Mysterio story before? You saved it. I think you saved it. You did, did I save, save it? it? You oh, did save it. You alluded to it, but you saved it. You didn't. Ah, you didn't tell it. great. This this would be the time to bring it out. So, uh, young Justin Pilcher uh, in college was working part time at Dick's Sporting Goods, and he worked in the exercise slash fitness section, which is laughable to this day. And uh, you guys both know this when the WWE would come to upstate New York. All the superstars would come to Crossgates Mall. Like you'd see people all the time. And uh, I sold an ab wheel to Rey Mysterio in like 2004. Or no, 2008. 2008? 2008 sounds a little more right. Yeah, 2008. He walked, he got out of a limo, walked into the, the store, and came up to me. He's like, hey, bro, like I broke my ab wheel. I need a new one. And I was like, I took one off the shelf. I gave it to him. And I was like, well, this is an ab wheel. He's like, all right, thanks, dog. 
and like he went and paid for it and got a limo. And that was my <laughs> Rey Mysterio Jr. story. That sounded a lot like him. Um, <laughs> completely, uh, like I have to ask this question or I wouldn't, I'd be doing the fans of the Triple R podcast a disservice. Did he have his mask on? No, he didn't. And that's why I don't have a picture of the story because I didn't realize who it was at first. Uh-huh. So we had talked for a minute and then he he had bought the ab wheel and he got in a limo and I didn't see him co- come up in the limo and he left. And I was like, why is that? Because Rey Mysterio is super short. Like, a, you know, I'm not a tall man by any stretch of the imagination. Well, he was a good yeah, he what? was a good four or five inches shorter than I was. I was just like, Mysterio's probably a hard five five. Yeah, maybe. Like, shorter? He is not, shorter? He's he is he is not a tall man. Okay, like I, I'm five eight on a good day, and he's a good oh. three to four inches shorter than I. So uh, 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 even five three then. I I I think that's a little bit more accurate. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, I'll just say that Pilch just earned some bonus points. Let me uh, put that down there. There you go. But very nice guy. He paid. He did. He paid for the ab wheel. Didn't ask for a discount. Was in and out of there. Um, didn't know who he was till he got in the limo, and then later realized that I had missed a golden opportunity to take a picture with Ray Mysterio. So that's my story. There you go. There you go. And to add to Pilch's story. Later that evening, I saw Justin, and he told me this exact story. He's like, you will never guess who I just who I sold the ab wheel today. And I was like, who? I'm thinking he's going to say one of our dumb friends or something. And he's just like, Ray effing Mysterio. And I lost my mind. <laughs> I said, BS, no way. It's like, you know, like Raw's here. I was like, yes, I know Raw's here. Like, I'm mad I'm not going. He's like, he was there. He bought an ab wheel. Oh, I was like, oh my God. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, it (laughs) couldn't have been a nicer of a guy, honestly. Like, yeah, and I think two thumbs up. He's He's a great individual. And I think anybody that's in that's known Ray and or in the industry uh, would would say those exact sentiments about him. That he's always been a stand up, uh, stand up nice guy. There you go. Shout out Ray Mysterio. Uh, shout out. Um, one thing, actually, two things that you guys did not mention with this match. Uh oh. Um, I thought. <laughs> I thought that the that Mike Tanay coming on to pretty much explain what some of the moves were with four commentators there, I thought it was a little crowded. Um, and I didn't get Bobby Heenan's reference. I think it was to Ray Mysterio's hair. He said he looked like GI. No, looked like Demi Moore. Oh, but I couldn't. Demi Moore and G.I. Jane when she shaved her head. Okay. Now, now that was like, that was my initial thought. Like, okay, you're talking about G.I. Jane. G.I. Jane didn't come out until 1997. Oh, I don't know. Hmm. Maybe the trailers were already out. I don't know, Warren. I don't know. Not sure. That's a lot of of research for a weird point. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> it just it didn't make it didn't make sense to me because he didn't it wasn't clear of who he was talking about. I thought it was Mysterio because it couldn't have been. I don't remember Demi Moore having the big huge psychosis curls. Well, she might have. I did. I did. There is that to, maybe. there is that Demi Moore nude. I mean, she got the curls, but it ain't on her head if you know what I mean. Let's ring the bell before this bushiest beaver award. Wow, wait, where is it? There oh. we go. <laughs> Please ring the bell. Way too long. Um <laughs> quick before we get to the next match, and I, I shout, out, shout out Demi Moore's bush. <laughs> Before we get to the next match, um, the long-running story of the pay-per-view is the Outsiders and who the third man is. I think Mean Gene doing uh, these interviews, trying to figure out who the third man is, all night were spot-on, top-notch work. Uh, And he's just always been such a good interviewer um, when it comes to you know, wrestling and leading wrestlers into the points and whatnot. So I had to shout out, uh, well, shout out Mean Gene there. When we get closer to a certain match, I want to point out a Mean Gene interview that I really had a lot of fun with. But I'll save it for when we get to that match. But let's we will, we will get there. The next match is the Carson City Silver Dollar match between Big Bubba Rogers and John Tenta. For the people that may not recognize who Big Bubba Rogers and John Tenta are, Big Bubba Rogers is one big boss man, and John Tenta is probably best known for being Earthquake. Um, and these two myths, uh, were supposed to climb up a pole that is fastened to the ring post, grab a sock filled with silver dollars, (laughs) use the sock on your opponent and win the match. Now, I just, and so here I just easily explain what the rules are of the match uh-huh. and the three commentators and the ring announcer did not explain the rules of this match or at least i didn't hear it uh, but let's let to let's get to your your guys's points uh, let's start with Pilch here. Pilch, what do you got for the Carson City Silver Dollar match? So, when we talked about the next pay per view we were going to do, which we did off air, I originally said I want to do something a little bit older. So I said, let's do 1996 Bash of the Beach. And the three of us went through the card and we looked at it and we're like, what in the world is a Carson City Silver Dollar match? <laughs> And I remember laughing so hard that I was like inconsolable because I was like, I cannot wait to figure out what this is. Oh, um, and honestly, it, it lived up to the hype. I love it. Did it? Did it? What hype are you referring to? Oh, boy. 
let, let, let's take stock of what happened here, right? Okay. We have Big Bubba, which uh-huh. is a, a fantastic name. Mm-hmm. Is it? <laughs> it's great. Versus John Tenta, who I had no idea who that was until I started watching this. So I was like, oh, it's Shark. Obviously. Yes, he was also he was also the shark. Yeah, it's obviously shark. And then they put this. So, for the listeners at home that don't understand the Carson City Silver Dollar match, let me break it down. So you take a giant pole, you put it, you know, twelve to thirteen feet in the air, Higher. and you take an old tube sock, and you put uh, quarters in it. And the person to get the sock full of quarters and hit your opponent in the head with it is the winner. <sighs> Which I personally I don't understand how you can go wrong there. It's just that's great television. <laughs> oh boy. You know, as far as the match in general goes, I have a few notes. Um the big Bubba boss man he he looks terrible like <laughs> his face is so red he looks like he has just been on a 198 hour bender before this match started this was uh, not uh, this was not in great shape boss man that didn't no. come until he went back to the WWE right. was in in the attitude era that's true that is true I love the uh, the use of the athletic tape, which comes into play multiple times in this pay per view. Not sure why, but you know, WCW low budget. Uh, you know, real, real low budget. The big boss man has a good belt choke at one point. You know, everyone loves a good belt choke, except for uh, the uh, dapper yapper. Well, you know. <laughs> No, I mean, it, it all worked out for everyone in the end. All right, girl. <laughs> and if you don't love Jimmy Hart shimmying up a pole to grab a sock full of quarters, you're not a real American, in my opinion. And I will take that to the grave. <laughs> Here, we're going to drop one of those. We're going to drop one of those for Jimmy Hart was- climbing the pole. <laughs> it was... Such athletic prowess that has you know, not been really duplicated <laughs> since 1996 at Daytona Beach. I will give you that. That was very athletic. For, especially athletic for Jimmy Hart. I, I think athletic, period. I can't climb a pole like that. I don't no, think I, I could either. Right. And for Jimmy Hart to to shimmy up that fucking thing and not that listen can i get hold on i'm sorry Pilch. i don't want to cut into your time like a raccoon looking for trash he was <laughs> up that thing in 30 seconds can i can i get another bomb drop for that please oh, man. oh my god Pilch, i'm sorry to cut into your time i really apologize oh, go for it that's fine okay so when Pilch said that this ma- what this match was, because again, we looked at the card, we were like, what in the world is a Carson City silver dollar match? Pilch 
looked it up. Pilch had to do a little Google search, told us the stipulation, and we all still were like, huh? And I got to say, this is, I don't know how this got passed. The bookers, the, the talent, the, the cameraman like how like who i don't know who signed what but this should not have been on this pay-per-view or it should not have been these two wrestlers in this match it's just not the match for them it really is not uh the notes i have (laughs) for this match hold on hold on it's still my time don't get me your notes oh i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry i apologize go ahead I I think Jimmy Hart steals the show in this match. Not only does he scale the pole expertly, but he comes down and takes one look behind his right shoulder only to find Tenta when he thinks it's Big Bubba Man. Big Bubba Rogers. And he gives him the sock because he has no choice. He's a he's a he's a little squirrel. I I know the two of you are not a fan of this. I loved every second of it. <laughs> I just think it's fantastic. Uh, I think that's your southern blood. <laughs> that's why it's. Uh, you're telling me you don't want to see two giant men slug it out over. The grand prize being a sock full of quarters <laughs> on a 13 foot pole. I, mean, I, I, I digress. I, I don't know how to answer that. I, my issues with the match, um, it wasn't this, it wasn't the stipulation. The stipulation's fine. You know, I, I've seen matches where they hang some kind of weapon on a pole match. That's fine. I, I get that. But don't put the pole so far out of reach out of 300-pound guys that you know are not going to climb the pole. Right. Yeah. it's But that's part of the gimmick, though, is you saw John Tenta trying. He knew that they couldn't climb the pole, so he tried to cut it down, right? Yes, yeah, well, and yes, and that right. was very smart. So, so it gives more. It gives more. It gives more credibility to the fact that they needed Jimmy Hart to climb the pole to get the the, the sock quarters, which sounds ridiculous to <laughs> saying it, but it's it it's the truth. I mean, as ridiculous as it sounds, it was planned out to an extent. Like, they knew that these two giant individuals could not climb the pole, which is why Jimmy Hart had to climb the pole, which he did expertly, might I add. He did. That's all I'm saying. Um, One other, actually, two other, no, one other thing. Um, Apparently, John Tenta's, half of John Tenta's head was shaved. Yeah, he had a real bad haircut on that one. I yeah, it was, that. Le- it was leading I up to the... Uh, it was leading up to Bash for the Beach, so and I I couldn't John remember. Tenta, he he was the shark, so he was the shark, right? And he got kicked out of the Dungeon of Doom or the Legion of Doom or whatever it is. Dungeon and of Doom. the boss man got brought in, and the boss man shaved off half his head. 
which is why yeah. there was that big haircut spot in the middle of the match. So that I didn't remember until the hair spot in the match that Bubba Rogers was the one that cut off half of his hair. And then he was trying to cut off the other half when he had him taped up to the ropes or whatever the case. Right. The big um, Bubba man. Big, big Bubba Rogers. Uh, and there was another part where Jimmy Hart comes in to distract the ref so big so Big Bubba oh. could get the tape and tape we him to the ropes. We lost Warren. So apparently a Carson City oh. Silver Dollar match is not Warren. a no D match. Warren. Oh, we got him yeah. back. We got him back. Okay. We lost you for a second. We lost you for a second. So start oh. over. Start over with oh. what you were going to say. Gotcha. Uh, so Jimmy Hart distracts the ref so Bubba Rogers can uh, – can tape Tenta to the ropes. And I didn't realize that the Carson City Silver Dollar match was not a no disqualification match. I figured that it just should have been. If anything's on the pole, if there's anything outside of a normal match, just make a no DQ and let everything go until there's a winner. Wait, it wasn't a no DQ. That's what no. I mean. It wasn't. It wasn't. Have, you, have you ever been to Carson City? It should have no been a no your ass I, I, How was it not a no DQ? They brought so many like outside things into this. How was it not no DQ? Okay, so if that's the, the ref case, was then, lenient. He was lenient. So if if that was the case, you're saying that it was no DQ. Yeah, they he tied him up with the tape up into the corner, like oh. the scissors on him. So then Jimmy all legal, Hart- all legal. It was medical tape. They were medical scissors. <laughs> mm-hmm. I fine. So then Jimmy Hart distracting the ref so he so Bubba Rogers could tape him to the ropes was irrelevant. You don't need to distract the ref in that spot. If it's no DQ. Oh, I get what you're saying. Okay, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's ring the bell. No, wait, hold on. No, no. I, got to- I didn't I make didn't any points yet. Notes. I didn't get to my notes yet. Oh, you didn't get to your notes yet? No, I didn't get to my notes yet. Oh, okay. All right. The polarizing match one. Come on. No. I don't have have many notes. I don't have many notes, but I have a lot of feelings about this. I just, I need to get them out. There's feelings. All right. But go ahead, Chris. Okay. So, first, I want to comment on uh, Bobby the Brian Heenan. Um, (laughs) He had a very. Bobby the Brian. Bobby the Brian Brian, uh, had a very funny. One liner saying, uh, when John Tenta was born, he was 187 pounds, and that really made me laugh out loud. I literally laughed out loud when I heard it, <laughs> and I had to rewind it so I could hear it again because I thought it was really funny. <laughs> and, um, the very first thing when this match started, you know, they do the pan through the crowd. The entrance, you know, we see, I believe Bubba came out first with Jimmy Hart. And then we get to the ring and I saw the pole. And this pole is way too high. It's so high. It's like 20 feet. Like, there's no way. Big Bubba Rogers, at this time, he's probably like 300 pounds. Maybe 325, somewhere around there. Easy. He looked terrible. John Tenta, very big man. Always has been a very big man. Easily 350, 375. In what world do you see these 300 plus pound men, both who are, you know, over six feet tall, 
and you think, yeah, they can shimmy up a 20-foot pole, it is not going to happen. And yep. they didn't compensate. That's the entire point of the match. I don't think. I think they thought these two big guys were going to somehow climb this pole. And somewhere in the match, they realized that is not happening. And I think the whole um, John Tenta trying to cut it down with the medical scissors and Jimmy Hart going up and climbing the pole, I think all of that was um, on the fly. I think all of that was on the fly because they soon realized, hey, this is stupid. (laughs) This pole is way too high. And there's no way they're going to be able to get this this sock down. Um, my other my other note is uh, I wrote I commented on John Tenta's hair because I didn't know about the the shaving the head. I said Tenta walked out on his bar- barber apparently, and um, <laughs> uh, there was a, a Shivani. I think it was Shivani said this. He said, big men battle and nothing pretty about it. And that was true. There was nothing pretty about this match. Um, no. And then all caps, uh, ex- like 20 exclamation points. Jimmy Hart is very spry. Like he's just, he got up that thing like a little spider monkey. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. <laughs> but uh, I guess that's what happens when you're in a Carson City silver dollar match. Um, so, yeah. John Tenta gets the W in this with the assist from Jimmy Hart, and I, that's all we got about that. I'd say ring the bell on it. I am so glad that this was the one and only Carson City Silver Dollar match. Bring uh, it back. Bring it no, back. No, 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 no. Bring back, bring back Halloween Havoc like they did in NXT. Do not bring back the I Carson City Silver Dollar match. The next, uh, the next uh, Extreme Rules pay-per-view, they're going to do a Carson City Silver Dollar match. I heard that. It's yes. On dirt, it's on the dirt sheets. A hundred percent a rumor. Uh, not even going to acknowledge that. Um, one thing Bring I got to acknowledge before we get to our next match, um, Lex Luger is such a terrible promo. Oh, the worst. <laughs> so, uh, so Luger's out here with Sting and with uh, Macho Man. They're talking about the main event against the Outsiders in their third man. And Sting is fine on the mic. Macho Man is always great on the mic. But Luger's just, oh, God, just terrible. And he just didn't need to talk. He needed to just be, just sit there and flex. That's all you need to do. That's one thing I miss about wrestling from from the old school. Like, that was just, you know, the commentators, you know, giving the spiel. You know, this guy, he's got his match coming up. and, And they're just standing, just oiled up. Just rubbing their hands together and getting a good flex on. Got to flex mm-hmm. the X, flex mm-hmm. the delts, flex the tries. You know, let them see what you're working with. I love it. It's so good. And, you know, <laughs> Lexa. Oh, snort? Huh? Yeah, it, <laughs> was, you just, it was so good. It was please so good. Never again. <laughs> when, he said, when he said flex the tries, it got me. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> I just, I just I picture Chris with like a bucket of popcorn on his couch, just like, oh yeah, mm. this is the the stuff. Oh, that's good. Is the like, ooh, ooh, the tries, and like the popcorn explodes out of his lap. 
Um, I just think it's a little thing that they they should you know they don't do it anymore. Like I know it's outdated and like they're they're not those kind of wrestlers anymore. But I don't know. I just think that's a I don't know. It's just something I miss. I don't know why. Okay, so I'm gonna. I know that wasn't a match, but I'm gonna ring the bell again so we can get to the. Apparently, it's called a taped fist yeah. match. This or just a match? Like I don't understand. Like no, 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 no. no, these. So there was the the cruiserweight match with Psychosis and Rey Mysterio, and then you got to have your your named matches in the middle. So you got to have a Carson City do- Silver Dollar match. You have to have a taped fist match for the Lord of the Ring ring that belonged to Diamond Dallas Page as he takes on Hacksaw Jim Duggan here. Uh, DDP is going to come up victorious. Chris, you will start it off this time. What do you have for this taped fist match? So I'm going to start off with a question. So this Lord of the Ring, is this like WCW's like King of the Ring? You know, I I would say yes, um, but not – I'd say yes, but not really. Because they said that, Lord of the Ring, and then I was just like, oh, it's like King of the Ring. Okay, whatever. And then they said it's a taped fist match. So I'm thinking like, oh, inside the taped fist, they got like – weights or like brass knuckles or something like there's something to this tape and no it's just their hands are taped but like all wrestlers hands are taped so <laughs> it's just a match like i don't understand why that's like the thing it's like oh you're, you gotta tape your it's like saying it's the you know this is the match for lord of the ring in a wrestling boots match like they're always wearing wrestling but like what are you talking about it's I don't know. You're always wear wrestling boots. Yeah. You know, Jimmy Superfly Snook. Some people are barefoot, right? I understand. Some people are wrestling barefoot. Yes, that's true. I think you know. all the Samoans, like wild Samoans, all, I think all those guys all, were barefoot. All, all those Samoans were barefoot. So I okay, fine. Not everyone wears wrestling boots, but you understand <laughs> what I'm where I'm going with this. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. it's oh like, I get it. I get it. It's like yeah. saying Jeff oh, Hardy wears hold. tuxedo shoes. We all know that. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, I really don't have that many notes for this. Um, the only other note is that the the rope spot with DDP doing the seesaw thing. I just thought that was really fun and, and <laughs> silly, and uh, that was it. I mean, this there wasn't really much to this match. Um, yep. Yeah, that, that's it. That's all I got. Pilch, what do you got? Tate fist match. Thank God Diamond Dallas Page was the, won this match. And <laughs> what, you don't like Hacksaw? No, I don't like Hacksaw. And I'm going to tell you exactly why I don't like Hacksaw. Why don't you like Hacksaw? I can't believe you guys like Hacksaw. He's from Glens Falls. He's pretty much a local guy. That makes me feel worse. So. <laughs> Let's let's talk about Hacksaw Jim Duggan for a second. Okay, yeah, let's talk. So he comes out, right? Mm-hmm. And his gimmick is he has a two by four. Yeah. 
and he can't talk. Like he has he has no real real words. All the only thing he can say is ooh. Yeah, right? he's he's kind of a goober, but you know what? Right. That's what I like about him. This well, is I why. Will, hold on, hold you, on. Before this, you continue, this, I will say he is a much better promo than Lex Luger. Go ahead. This is why <laughs> every other country in the entire world thinks Americans are stupid because of Hacksaw Jim Duggan, right? <laughs> you ask Hacksaw Jim Duggan a question. It's like, what do you think about communism in China? Oh, and everyone's just like, oh, it's so great. Yeah, he's the best. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> Well, he carries an American flag. Like he's all about. Yeah, he America. carries an American flag. Like what's this is the person that represents that? America. Yeah, this what's that idiot what's that with a song? with a two by four? What's the name like, of that song, Warren? What is that? It's like an American song. His it, it is it is an American song. I don't know the name of it, but I I've heard it. Yeah. You. Everybody has heard it in some way. That song, that what is that? Like, I'm not sure what that song is. Like parades and like it's the Fourth of July and like all that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Like, what is that? A quick aside: the there was another place that I heard that song. What's that? If you remember. The well, there used to be a Burger King. Well, no, the Burger King's still there, but there's a Burger King in our town that is around the corner from the high school that we went to. Mm-hmm. And when we were younger, in that Burger King, off to the side, they had like a play area with the with a mini like merry-go-round. Yeah, would sit on a horse and whatnot. Got and it. if you ever went to Burger King, you know, we usually frequent that area and get on the merry-go-round. And that merry-go-round played that song. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. It means absolutely nothing to anybody else outside of the area that we grew up, but that's that. Uh, Pilch, what else you got? <laughs> Anything for this match? Thank you for hijacking my segment. I appreciate that. No problem. So we have a two-by-four wielding moron. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I will say this: his gimmick, his his gimmick is he's an ex. I mean, he is an ex football player. He played collegiate ball, but his gimmick is an ex football player with CTE. Basically, <laughs> that's his gimmick. He's a giant I, idiot. I like he, he's a he's a giant idiot. And <laughs> the fact that like. <laughs> He should not lose Diamond Dallas Page. Like in no in no circles should like a cigar smoking just vagrant be the all American man. But this happens in this match. Oh boy. Because he's so stupid. He has no idea what's going on. And then like all of a sudden he gets a diamond cutter out of nowhere and match over. I, I honestly think that Jim Hacksaw Duggan is the villain of the pay-per-view, and I dare you to prove me wrong. Hacksaw? Is that villain? First of all, let's start from the beginning. Prove me wrong. 
Prove, Warren, it, prove me wrong. Hang on. It's uh, Hacksaw uh, Jim Duggan, not Jim Hacksaw Duggan. That's one. Two, Jim Duggan is the ultimate baby face. No one else is going to go to the ring with his two by four and his flag and his hoe and uh, not the Godfather hoes, like his his hoe kind of thing. There you go. Um, and he, the crowd's always going to be on his side. And then when the match starts, the first thing he's going to get the crowd to do is chant USA. USA. He's right, got so, the weight of the oh. crowd behind him. And okay, 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 okay. But let me ask you this question. Okay. Have Have you ever heard an interview with Hacksaw Jim Duggan? Yes. Can Can he talk? I. He is a better no, no, promo no. than Luger. Okay, but like he can he can string sentences together eloquently enough so you can understand him. Yes. Yes. I mean, his sentences will involve a lot of. Tough guy and ho, but there are sentences so, together that go towards the match that he's about to have. Absolutely. So why does when he come out to the ring, he portrays someone that has zero intelligence? <laughs> your 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 slander for Hacksaw Jim Duggan is a little much. I I'm just insulted that like this is what in 1996 the rest of the world thought about america they're like oh they wear speedos they bring a two by four out to the ring and they just the only thing they can say is oh you know and they get beat by a cigar smoking moron with a mullet it's just you know this match really like i had to pause the pay-per-view after this because i was i was so insulted Interesting. Interesting. I just I could not believe that this is the moron that we <laughs> are associated with. Such strong words for Hacksaw Jim Duggan. R.I.P. Um, if he's dead, I don't know. He's if he not, dead. not. He's not dead. Still alive. He is. Oh, he's not still dead. alive. Rest in peace, Hacksaw. No, he's not. He's, he's very much still alive. Uh, let's let's go. Since you gave up so much slander of of hacksaw Jim Duggan, let's throw it down to our triple R podcast correspondent, the Iron Sheik. Iron Sheik, what do you? What are your thoughts on hacksaw Jim Duggan? Russia! Thank you very See, much. Hack- I knew he would agree with me. He, like, he's on my no. side. So controversial. Did, so controversial. Did, you know what? I didn't respect you at all, actually. I respect his point of view. As controversial exactly. as it may be, I respect it. You have to respect uh, the legend of the Iron Sheik and his opinion when it comes to anything that you ask him. He is a top-notch correspondent for us here at the Triple R Podcast. Hold on. Jim Duggan, hashtag Hacksaw, is the villain of the pay-per-view, <laughs> and I stand by that. Uh, 
Chris, do you have anything else before I ring the bell? Uh, I just wanted to step outside of that bit real quick. I just wanted to say our father would love this Iron Sheik bit. That's all I wanted to say. <laughs> I, think dad, I think dad would really get a kick out of this Iron Sheik bit that we got going. <laughs> 100%. He is he is, is listening on a different kind of podcast app and is very proud of what we're putting together. Oh, Big but shout out, Dugan! Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Another quick aside: When they had, when they renamed the uh, the student section at our high school in the basketball uh, by the basketball court, and you guys were there with the 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 Dugan signs and whatnot, Pilch, mm. the uh, your guys's uh, I don't know what the, not obsession, but fascination with him being his nickname Dugan is always just amazing to me. Oh, yeah, I you know, it, to be serious for a second, um, your dad was nothing but welcoming and just awesome every time I ever met him. Oh, yeah. Uh, any, any, any of my friends, any of Chris's friends, Joe's friends, uh, Joe's our other brother, uh, was, was, he was top-notch to all of them. Top-notch. Top-notch. Absolutely. Uh, he, he, was, he was welcoming to everybody, and I think yeah, that should be absolutely. said. Absolutely. Like, it, do, it doesn't matter if you're male, female, black, white, gray, blue. Like he, he was just a stand-up guy to everyone that ever set foot in that house. And hundred percent. Um, ne- next we have a promo with uh, two of the four horsemen, Arn Anderson and Chris Benoit. Here they had the promo on the entrance, but I thought it was kind of odd that they were out there in the entrance for the promo, and then they and didn't then- have their match. And then they didn't have the match. Exactly. That's crazy. I thought, oh, they're definitely just going to the ring and having their match. Nope. Was- but I, we probably should have known that Arn Anderson wasn't going to the ring when he had his, his he still had his t-shirt on. He still had his accountant's uh, sun, or not sunglasses, eyeglasses oh, yeah. on. Uh, so yeah, he, he probably should have. He wasn't ready. He, wasn't ready. He, had to, he had to go back and take care of that. Um, but then we get into the next match. As we have to have a name for every single match here in the mid card, it is a four man dog collar match. There you go. Between the Nasty Boys and Public Enemy. Rocco Rock and uh, Johnny Grunge, was it? Rocco Rock and Johnny Grunge, baby. Public Enemy. Okay. Okay. So let me let me just give this take before Uh-oh. we get to your here take. Go. Here we go. Because, I'm doing the wave right now. Dude, because, get, in the, get in the crowd behind me. Okay, okay. Let me. I gotta get. I gotta get serious for a second. He's getting serious. Culture. On previous episode, multiple. Episodes. I want to say with WrestleMania because we were talking about the TLC match with the Dudley Boys and the Hardy Boys. We also did a SummerSlam with the Dudley Boys and Hardy Boys. And yes, we also did the SummerSlam with the Dudley Boys, and he referenced or referred to public enemy and the Dudley boys in the same nope. breath. Nope. Nope. Yeah. Sure yes, did. Did. It was public. It was the nasty, it was the nasty boys. Nasty right. boys. Sorry. Sorry. I apologize. Let me change that in my notes really quick. It was the nasty boys. You refer to enemies closer to the street profits. If you want my last opinion. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? 
please, Chris, hit the bomb, please. Oh boy, please. no the the bomb is the bomb is a good thing. He's getting the good thing. The bomb is a good thing. The bomb is good. He gets booze on that one. He gets you. There's just there's no bad take that you won't take. Uh, probably not. Okay, so you compared the Nasty Boys, which I and I like the Nasty Boys, but you compare the Nasty Boys to the Dudleys. You can't tell me after watching this match that the Nasty Boys are in any class with the Dudley Boys because this whole match involved no wrestling at all. It was weapons, it was strikes, it was terrible table spots, it was no selling, and you can't, there's just, you can't, you can't seriously even put those two teams in the same sentence, in the same sentence. He's gonna do it though. I, I'm uh, go ahead, go ahead and give your rebuttal, but just know that there's no possible way that you are right in this <laughs> take. Uh, Pilch, I want to warn you. Warren is scoring this episode, so choose choose your arguments. Very close. My finger is hovering the backspace button. Oh boy! Just so you know. Are you done? Oh, boy. <laughs> I'm here to respond. Here we go. Here oh, we okay. go. So uh, this was the fourth match on the card. It was Public Enemy versus the Dud. Uh, I mean, Nasty Boys. Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, all it. I've been trying to say is, all all I've been saying is that. I know the Dudley boys are clearly the better tag team. Obviously. They're both of them are clearly the better better wrestlers. All I'm saying, and I think this match actually proves that point, is that the Nasty Boys laid the groundwork for where the Dudley boys took off from. That's if they were, shush, shush, shush. You're the host. Shush. Oh boy. Oh boy. If there was never if there was never this like hardcore kind of tag team set to go from, like, like this is not a good match. Like, I I will agree to that. Like, Public Enemy sucks. The picture in picture was awful. You know, it, it's like picture in picture. Ninety five percent of it's just background, and five percent of it's like two little tiny screens you can kind of see. And there were also points where the picture in picture was showing the same exact picture. Right, exactly. but someone had to start that. They had to get the ball rolling, and I think if this never happened, I think it would be hard for not only the Dudley Boys, not only the Hardy Boys, not only Edge and Christian, but for any hardcore match to 
be acceptable when it was acceptable. This was this laid the foundation for it. I'm not saying that the nasty boys and the Dudley boys are comparable in skill set. I've never once said that. I said that they laid the groundwork for the Dudley boys to be successful. And I, I, I stick by that. I think there had to be a team not as talented, but someone that pushed the envelope to the fact that like we got to where we were. That's all I'm saying. And I do want to reference the fact that there was a table that could not be broken for 95% of this match. Definitely, I have down here uh, strongest table ever. The fact that it didn't actually ended up breaking it after the match was over. Right. Uh, Chris. That's me. Please save us. Save the listeners with your take on this match. So, I actually really liked this match. I liked it because of the chaos. Um, Public Enemy, you know, the original get the tables, you know, they didn't even need to get tables because they brought one with them when they came down every single time. Uh, Public Enemy is the Dudley Boys of Right. If I would make the argument that Public Enemy was the Dudley Boys before the Dudley Boys, but that's way worse. The Dudley Boys took something and perfected it, you know, which, you know, happens. Um, the Nasty Boys, I think they are, I consider them Golden Age wrestlers. For the Golden Age, they were great. I love their their look, the, the gimmick, you know, for that time, you know, 80s wrestling. They were perfect. I think at this point in 1996, they're like, they're jockeying for position, trying to, you know, hold on to this, this light, this, you know, whatever their spot, you know, in these new times and they are fading fast. And this was like their shot to like, all right, we got to show everybody out here, you know, in this arena that we still got it. And I will say that. Uh, hold on, let me make sure I say Knobs, Brian Knobs, the blonde-haired nasty boy. Mm-hmm. He was just trigger happy with this chair. I mean, his chair shots were all over the place. They were reckless. They were hard. He didn't give two craps about what he was doing to, the, to these guys in Public Enemy. He, I, there were countless of chair shots from, from knobs where he's just, he's just closing his eyes and just swinging. Like he's trying to hit a pinata and he doesn't care who he hits, who he's taking out. He's just, he's just looking to connect. Uh, What about the surfboard shot? Oh, the surfboard shot. Great. The, the dive, (laughs) I like the dive off of the lifeguard station and then Rocco Rock goes back up and then he gets tipped off. That was great. Um, I uh, earlier I mentioned that you know the the something in the budget for Bash at the Beach, uh, you know they they couldn't afford something you know graphics wise. It's because they spent their entire budget on sand for the entrance. Oh yeah, so much sand. (laughs) Uh, I wrote down uh, I got literally Bash at the Beach. Uh, 
WCW not shy about a gimmick. Um, <laughs> I wrote, uh, and uh, I had to note the the toughest table I've ever seen. Uh, that table would not break to save anyone's life. Um, and I really liked. Uh, someone suggested that the table was the third man. <laughs> I thought that was really great. Uh, <laughs> the table's the third man. Oh boy! But this match was really fun. It was um, it was very hardcore match. Uh, very TLC before TLC was cool. Um, I think these guys are just really bad at gimmicking a table and and at headshots and doing a lot of other stuff. Like I think if this was just like a street fight, it would have been just as good. I don't know if the dog collars really added anything or took anything away. I know that they were. I think they got in the way a lot, but um, mm. yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's got to have a gimmick, I guess. You just got to have a gimmick at Bash at the Beach. <laughs> I was I was expecting uh, someone to forget about the dog collar and like get it caught up in the ropes. Like if somebody was down, they were trying to do a spot where they jump off the top rope. Uh, where they go through the rope and it gets caught where, you know, instead of going over the top rope to keep it loose, that didn't happen. Um, there was a, there was a choke spot. There was a choke spot. No, no, no. Not like a choke spot, but like, like when he, uh, which one was it? I think it was Rocco rock was going to the top rope for something. And instead of going through like the top and the middle rope, he just went over the top rope. Right. Yeah. The, chain wouldn't get caught with him trying to dive um it, they played it smart it, if they were silly then they would have probably had that happen yeah um obviously mentioned about the strongest table ever and uh the garbage can with trash in it is always a, a fun spot in a hardcore match um that was one of my notes actually that the trash can actually had trash Yes, it did. <laughs> surprising because it usually doesn't. Usually, it's just a random empty, uh, empty trash can. So it's a. I was a pleasant surprise to see there was garbage in there. But now that we can get out of mid car hell, mid card hell, let's uh, ring the bell here and get to the cruiserweight title match between the champion Dean Malenko. And the Disco Inferno. Um, I didn't have anything for this match. Uh, yeah, nothing. I just thought it was too long. Uh, I think we're on Pilch. Pilch, let's go with you first. Ugh, this match sucked. This <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, the entire match is Dean Malenko controlling the pace. Uh, he's beating him down and they're trying to build up Disco Inferno. Like, oh, like he's finally taking it seriously. He's finally taking it seriously. And yeah, he finally took it seriously and he's, he's still lost. So I, it just sucked. Like <laughs> there's nothing about this match that I enjoyed. I don't know. It was just boring. Um, the only note I have is the uh, fact that Disco Inferno had shake your booty on his butt. 
And that's it. <laughs> uh, Chris. That's me. What do you have for this match? I got one note, and that's Dean Malenko is tougher than a $2 steak. <laughs> that's I mean, it. that's fair. That's all I got. That's fair. Yeah. I agree super scrappy. I love oh. Dean Malenko. I love the I love the Texas Cloverleaf. I mean, Disco I, I clearly outmatched this entire this entire time. I don't I don't know. It's just uh, no, oh, but like he's yeah. taking it seriously. He only puffed his hair up for thirty seconds. Yeah, like, <laughs> who gives a shit? Like, just move on. Um. Yeah. This there's nearly nothing too noteworthy about this match. Um, like I said, I thought it was a little too long. Uh, Dean Malenko wins, retains his title. Uh, it, that's the only right thing. I don't. I don't think Dean or uh, Disco Inferno was. Uh, Warren, this match was twelve minutes. Again, too long. <laughs> It's still too long. Too 11 and a half minutes too long. Too long. It should have been a squash match. It should have been yeah. a squash. He should have done like his you know his weird disco moves and Dean Malenko should have yeah. popped in the face and match over. Don't don't get me wrong. Um Disco Inferno always entertained me, but he, there's just no reason for him to be even be he's not in in the same class as Dean Malenko by any means. Completely agree. So let's just uh, ring the bell. And now... Just, just if, for reference, Warren, that match was twice as long as the DDP match. Uh, yes, again, too long. But if we could, if you thought we couldn't get any worse here in the mid card... We get a Mongo McMichael versus Joe Gomez match. Yes. <laughs> I mean, Deborah was and there. So Deborah was there. Um, Mongo gets the win here. Uh, I'm going to hold my take back here, and we're going to start with Chris. What do you have for Mongo against? Joe Gomez. Listen, I don't know who out there isn't already doing this, but there is an Instagram account called uh, I think it's called Wrestle Botches, and every Monday is Mongo Monday, and they always upload clips of Mongo wrestling someone and doing something crazy in the ring. There is also a Twitter account dedicated to Mongo stuff called Mongo and Friends. I also follow yeah. that. It's hilarious. Yes. Again, all Mongo, all the time. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> you think all Mongo know, all the time? I don't know what Mongo McMichael had on this WCW production crew. I don't know what he had on the higher ups. I don't know what he had on the bookers, but it must have been good because he kept getting booked and he shouldn't have. He is so bad, but it's so <laughs> funny to watch. 
He never stops moving his feet. <laughs> he can't take a he can't take a shoulder block to save his life. He oh. like if you whip him off the ropes, w- whatever you guys just planned out and discussed, he ju- he forgot it. He left it on the other side of the ring because he'll hit them ropes and he's just he's just moving. He don't know what's going. He don't know what we're doing. He don't. You can. He don't know if it's a hip toss, a shoulder block. If he's supposed to hurdle you, if he's supposed to close line, he's doing them. And you know what? He just thinks I'm just gonna do them all at the same time, and one of them's gonna hit, and then he just does it. It's crazy. I love Mongo. I love watching Mongo. Oh, man. I, I wrote down, as soon as I realized it, Mongo McMichael was coming down with Deborah, I wrote down all caps. It's Mongo time. Uh, he's, and they, they stated, it's funny to hear the announcers because they're trying to, you know, keep this level of professionalism and call the match like they don't know what's going on, which I appreciate. But they, he does something in the ring that doesn't make any sense, and they just keep talking about how this is his this only his third match ever, his third match oh, yeah. ever. They bring that up so many times. They bring it up, and he, they say, you know what? To his credit, because he's so fresh and unorthodox, you never know which way he's coming from. Which I guess is going to be a good thing. But it's also like he shouldn't. I don't know. Like what? They're trying to turn his negative into a positive, and it's just not working. Um, what other spot? <laughs> what other spots do I got out here? Uh, I also think it's funny that he. I wonder if they did that on purpose. That they gave Mongo a tombstone finisher. He does the tombstone. That's his finishing move. And I wonder if. That was a shot at the Undertaker, because you know they're you know WCW WWE they're they're feuding and you know I wonder if they're like we're gonna take this guy who has no business to be in a ring and we're gonna give him the same finisher as one of their top guys as kind of like a you know a, a middle finger to you you know I I wonder I speculate I don't know that's my take but God if if you're not already go follow those uh. Two wrestling, uh, it's um, Wrestle Botches on Instagram and uh, Mongo and Friends on Twitter, and just look up, look up Mongo McMichael. It's you're never gonna, you're never gonna get bored. It's it's great. It's good time. According to uh, you know wrestling podcasts that I frequent, it might have been on Eric Bischoff's podcast or maybe it was Arn Anderson, but they mentioned that Mongo was never trained as a wrestler he got a few basics but that was it and it It is painfully evident every single match he's in Uh, what do you have for mongo joe gomez uh chris i actually agree with you i think the tombstone pile driver finisher was a shot at wwe um right it has to be like why had to have been. and that's like a such i mean if done right like the tombstone can be very safe but he right. he has no business doing that kind of a move i wouldn't trust mongo doing a pile driver i wouldn't touch trust him doing a ddt like a, nothing where it involves the head going towards the mat 
No move where a head goes towards the mat. What I trust Mongo doing. And a tombstone is you are putting as a um, you know sports entertainer uh, athlete. You are putting your body in the hands, literally in the hands of the person you're working with. And it's basically their job to protect you in that move. Undertaker, I mean, I'm sure through his illustrious career, there have been mistakes. Everyone makes mistakes and things go wrong, you know, whatever. But I would trust the Undertaker in doing a tombstone, a proper tombstone to me any day of the week. Mongo, I just, it's so risky. It's so risky. And he just, oh, I just, it's like, this is the one. It's like, I just look at it and I'm like, this is the one we're going to have. It's the stone, it's stone cold all over. Like, you know, like when Owen did his, the that reverse pile driver and broke Austin's neck. I was like, every time Mongo does it, it's like, this is it. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I just, oh. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, do you remember the bloody lip spot? I don't. Where, so Joe Gomez hits Mongo, and he and he falls, and he got a bloody lip. And I think it wasn't meant to happen. I'm ninety nine point nine percent sure that Mongo bit his own lip. Mongo bit his own, probably. Yeah, probably. No, hundred percent. And. So the one thing, so I have two notes. One is, who is Joe Gomez, and why is he on the pay per view? Because <laughs> like I, I looked it up after I watched this. I was like, oh, this guy must be like famous for something. Nope. Like this is like his claim to fame. Yeah, he was I Joe Gomez. Joe he Gomez was on Bash the Beach '96. That's it. Never, never heard of him. Second of all, and I, I don't remember which announcer said this, but one of them said that like Mongo joined the Four Horsemen, which is true, and now he has all this money. And I kept thinking to myself, like, yeah, I know the Four Horsemen's like pretty prestigious, but like he was in the NFL, like he had money before he came to WCW. So you, you're. you're Leading me to believe that he was in the NFL, didn't make any money, but now that he's with Ric Flair, he's rich. Like, I, I, you know, yeah. don't, I don't buy it. I buy, I buy it. I think I that they're. That, what do you mean? That comes, wait, hold on, hold, Warren. What do you mean you buy it, Chris? I buy it. He Mongo won a Super Bowl. He does not yeah. have more money by joining the 1996 faction of the Four Horsemen than he did. By playing for the Chicago Bears. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Flair's got a lot of money, man. He's got a lot of money. Flair, jet flying, you know, he's, uh, you know, bigger than Space Mountain or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Like, it's, I I believe it. You talking to the Rolex? Yeah. Diamond ring wearing... Just stealing. Woo! Wheeling, dealing. Limousine. He's wreck. dealing and he's dealing. And I'm having a hard time holding these alligators down. Woo! I think the, the 
the comment that they made in regards to the money, I think, is living off of the the four horsemen's uh I would say four horsemen gimmick in the eighties where they were doing the limousine ride and jet flying. This era of the four horsemen, not so much. I kinda have to agree with Pilge here. I think the well gone dry. Ten, ten years later. I mean, if you went to 1989 and you're like, oh, you know, like I have a bunch of money in Enron. 1999, you don't have a lot of money. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. Well, but how is he stealing all these kisses then if he doesn't have the money? He has to steal them. You heard it in the <laughs> He's stealing promo. all the kisses. Yeah. He can't buy them. He's got to steal them. He's holding down those alligator shoes. Ay, ay, ay. Well, you know, it's Florida. You can steal any alligator you want. Stretch me And now we're going to get into the better part of the pay-per-view, where we start getting into some, quote-unquote, real matches. Oh. The wait, 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 wait. Hold on a second. What? We had a Carson what? City Silver Dollar match. That was a real match. That was so okay, I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you get your stuff in. Go ahead. So you got okay. Cool. Back to a real match now. The U.S. title match between Ric Flair and the champion Conan. Um, I thought this was a very good match. Uh, who did we start with last? I think we started with Chris. So Pilch, what do you have? For Conan Ric Flair, U.S. title online. Um, I have a few thoughts. First of which, I thought Conan's attire in this match was ridiculous. This was pre Viva la or what does he say? Orale and all that. Orale la vida la raza. Yeah, that was first. The first comment that I made. Uh, or the first note that I wrote down, it was weird to see Conan pre his NWO attire yeah. with the the jeans and the flannel with the button at the top and his the bandana. It was his cholo look. Yes, yeah, the cholo look. Hey. Uh, it was very, it's very weird to see Conan like that. But go ahead, Pilch. Uh, my first note is actually Conan's stupid tights? Question <laughs> mark. Um. I also don't remember athletic Conan. I was actually kind of surprised by how well he moved around the ring. Like I knew I I knew he knew how to wrestle, but he uh portrayed himself as like this like hyper athlete compared to Ric Flair, which I thought was a very good dichotomy. Um I don't like woman. She makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> Why not? I just, you know, I I love Miss Elizabeth. She's fantastic. I I don't like any woman that will hit me in the head with the heel of her shoe. That's um, I got it's you. A, it's a deal breaker. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. they're pointy. I could lose an eye. You know, I mean, look at Rey Mysterio. He has barely one working eye at this point. Um, mm-hmm. But other than that, I, I actually 
enjoyed this match. I thought it was good. You know, Conan locked the figure four in at one point, and uh, Ric Flair sold it like a sob. Like he, you know, wailed on the the mat the whole nine yards, act like he didn't know how to kick out of it because obviously he does. And uh, yeah, no, I I enjoyed it. I, you know, I actually even like the finish, even though it was a little gimmicky. You know, we'll give the W to Ric Flair, obviously. Um, if I had one criticism, it went on a little too long. You know, almost 16 minutes, which, <laughs> you know, for what it was, was a little too much. But other than that, you know, enjoyable. Okay. All right, Chris. That's me. What do you got? U.S. title match. Oh. First note. The interview with Ric Flair, Miss Elizabeth, and Woman. I really enjoyed the flirting between Gene Okerlund and Woman. I thought Gene Okerlund is funny. He is a funny guy. He was so funny in this. I just like that he's trying to conduct this interview. He can't concentrate. Woman keeps petting him. He keeps kind of giving her a little smirk and then like snapping back like, no, I'm working like shit. Like, you know, I really liked it. There was one at towards the end of the interview. Now he's just talking to woman and she says something to him like alluding like, oh, you're going to party with us later. And he drops his microphone. (laughs) I thought that was like a really good like stick. Like I really enjoyed Gene and woman like this back and forth cat and mouse kind of thing. I just thought it was really funny. Uh, nice. <laughs> of, of us doing this show, Gene Oakland, top notch interviewer. Oh, so good. So funny. Oh, man. I love Gene. RIP Gene. Um, so the next thing I have uh, Woman is very vocal throughout this match from the get go. Like nothing has even really happened, and she is screaming outside. Like screaming for Ric Flair to do something. It's like they're in a tie-up. Like the match just started. Like you don't, you don't have to, like Miss Elizabeth. Calm, cool, collected. You can see Miss Elizabeth is like. I like how she plays it. She's you know she doesn't she doesn't scream, doesn't make a lot of, but you can see the concern and worry on her face. She was really good at that. She did that a lot with Randy, and just like she never made a scene, but you can see like she's worried. And then if if her you know the person is winning. You know, for example, she's out there clapping and like, you know, cheering, but she's not like over the top woman. You could just hear the entire match. And it's just like, Jesus, fucking Christ. Like, Can you shut do that up. again? <laughs> Wait, do what again? Your woman impression. One more time. Like all the time. Oh, my goodness. Um, Elizabeth, uh, Miss Elizabeth took a bump. And I don't know if that was. That was planned. If she was supposed to take a bump, she got up fairly quickly, didn't sell. So that leads me to believe that she just kind of like didn't get out of the way in time. Um, so I don't think that was that was supposed to happen. Um, really liked Flair got in all the stuff, got the flare flop, got the uh, the uh, slam off of the top rope. Uh, he always gets slammed off of the top rope. Why does he keep going up to the top rope? I don't know. He just likes doing it, I guess. I don't know. Um what else? Uh, Conan uses the figure four. I thought that was a really good spot. I 
thought that was going to be the end of the match because that would have been like a really interesting finish. Um, but nope, a woman comes in. Uh, she gets involved a couple of different times and uh, heel to the eye or heel to the head. But it was a very soft blow. I think she could have put a little more. It was it. it was rather soft. And but Conan you told it. the eyes though. That's Conan's Conan that told it. Uh, but yeah, that uh, heel to the eye gets gets Rick the one two three. Um, and then they started walking up the ramp and forgot Miss Elizabeth. <laughs> they kind of <laughs> <left her> behind. <laughs> she caught up. She caught up. Uh, and also, this is 1996. Uh, I don't know how old Miss Elizabeth is in 1996, but she still got it. Still, oh, completely agree. Miss Elizabeth just. A natural beauty. Ah, miss her. I miss her so much. So I want to point out um, one. Nick Patrick is the Earl Hebner of WCW. So, you know, if he is refereeing the match, something is going to happen. Something's going to happen. Pilch, I know you mentioned... I loved that Conan's versatility was on display here, how he could move like a true luchador, but had the size and power to even Matt wrestle with Ric Flair. And the finishing pin that Ric Flair won, Ric Flair wins here, and he wins the U.S. title. Uh, His pin with the legs on the ropes, and it's not just the bottom rope. It's not just the middle rope. He went tippy His top. legs are on the top rope. Tippy, tippy top. And Nick Patrick is at such an angle looking at the shoulders <laughs> that he cannot see just Rick Flair's legs on the top rope. So oblivious. Can't just... I've never... <laughs> I've never seen an official get so close to the opponent's shoulders to where he's got to watch him that closely. And he's like tucking his hand underneath the shoulders like it's an amateur wrestling match before he starts his count and just just does not notice at all that requires legs are on the ropes. You got to make sure. Uh, you can never be too sure about those shoulders. Apparently. Warren, before, um, before we ring the bell... Yeah. Chris, how how old do you think Miss Elizabeth was during this pay per view? How old do I think she was in nineteen ninety six? I'm gonna say somewhere in her early. I'm gonna say early forties. I'm gonna say either early early to mid early to mid forties. Early to mid forties. She was thirty six. 36 really i thought she was older she died young I, she might have died at 40 really she died in 2003 which was 43 i thought she died in her 50 oh no 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 okay so she must have been in her when she was when her and macho were back in wwf she must have been in her 20s yeah yeah, yeah, she was right. really. She must have been in her twenties. Jeez, Louise, she was young. She made her debut in WWF in '84, so she was 24. Wow, how old is Macho? Uh, well, let's find out. He must have been. Old. He must have been taking robbing the cradle. 
Uh, he was eight years older than her. Eight years? Which is not that, that's not, that's not that crazy. crazy. No, I don't crazy. think so. Macho so she was 24, he was 32. I mean, you know, that makes sense. Yeah. Puts a little more validity in that the old uh, rumor. You know Oh, yeah. Well, I'm not not getting not getting into that at all. Uh, tag team match here: the Horsemen, Double A Arn Anderson and Chris Benoit, taking on the Dungeon of Doom, Kevin Sullivan, the Taskmaster, and the Giant. Uh, Kevin Sullivan and the Giant get the win here. I like the story that they told in this match. Uh, where are we at? I think we're at Chris. Yeah. Give uh, me what you got. I don't have, I don't have many notes. I don't have many notes on this match. Um, okay. got double a, got Chris Benoit. I love double a. I love Chris Benoit, young Chris Benoit. Uh, I don't, I mean, I didn't think, I thought this was going to be a, you know, decent match. Um, Kevin Sullivan, not really a fan, but young, 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 giant, young, big show um, in this. And I was excited to see if he was going to do anything super, uh, super athletic, because I think a lot of people forget when Big Show was back in WCW and he was this, you know, he's a he's still a big guy. He's a giant, but like, you know, he's younger, he's thinner, he's quicker, you know, he's. A little more agile, a little has a little more mobility. He used to do some things. I mean, there was a match him and Perfect. I think he did a kip up. Uh, yes, like close to the rope. It's like, oh, he was doing kip ups back then. Like that's crazy. Yes. He did. Yes, he was. One of his arsenals was a missile drop kick off the top rope, and he's like seven something. Like, could you imagine this giant dude? flying towards you with his feet like his side what is it he's like 43 e like whatever his feet are it's like giant feet oh my goodness but i was really excited and then he like got to somebody who ran out somebody ran out and he chased him to the back and he was like out of the match and it was just kevin sullivan doing weird kevin sullivan stuff and getting beat up and then you know they cut the ring in half and kept the giant out which was, you know, good game plan. Knew that was coming. But he does get into the match eventually. Big pop. Uh, he he, he delivered the choke slam to Arn. Gets the W while uh, Taskmaster, Kevin Sullivan, and Benoit are up. They take it all the way up the aisle. Take it all the way to the announcer's table and start fighting out there. Uh, there was a, a suplex onto the, the where the announcers were, and then during that was when the choke slam happened, and and the big show, and big show, and the giant gets the win, and then he he leaves. He, he I won the match. Like I'm out of here. And then I don't re- I don't remember how it happened, but somehow Benoit gets back into the ring and starts attacking Kevin Sullivan. I wrote down my one note is did Benoit just go into business for himself? I wonder if the spot up at the announcer's table, something happened. Benoit gets hurt for real, doesn't like it, and goes back to the ring to beat up Kevin Sullivan for real. But then woman comes out, and here she goes again, young. Chris, Chris, 
this. And here she is. And uh, Arne, you know, you see Arne roll over. He's still selling the choke slam, but he gives the, squeezes the Iggy to Kevin. And Kevin kind of like bats him away. So I wonder, I'm wondering. And then, you know, Giant comes back out and is talking to Benoit. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Or, uh, yeah, it's just like, I don't know. Something happened. I don't know what happened. It didn't seem right. It didn't feel like a work. It, this felt like, this felt like shoot. This felt like shoot. I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, you know, I don't, I think the only people that are going to really know are Benoit and Kevin Sullivan. And, you know, we can't ask Benoit. So and I don't know what Kevin Sullivan's doing nowadays. So I don't He's know. Around. I don't know. But that was my, that was my one hot take on this. I think Benoit went into business for himself after some mishap from back at the announcer table, and mm, I don't know people because woman is was his real life wife, I believe at the time, and I think they sent her out there to like try and like calm him down or something like whatever he was doing. I don't know. It's just I don't know. It was weird. So so I was gonna get to that because I do remember when um they kind of had a. Matt Hardy edge Lita thing with Kevin Sullivan. Oh, Ben Rock woman. Yes. I didn't know that match in that incident, that incident happened after this, hmm. um, but they've always had a long standing feud. Um, they had a street fight at great American bash. I want to say earlier in 96 where they really tear, tore the roof off the place and were battling up in the mezzanine and where the bathrooms are and all that stuff. Um, but their street fight after the whole woman leaves Kevin Sullivan for Benoit, that's another street fight. It doesn't last very long. It was very similar to, like I said, the edge Matt Hardy lead a thing. Um, so I don't know if he was really going into business for himself at this time. Woman is still with Kevin Sullivan. Even though she's, I mean, it's she's working with Flair and the Horseman, but outside of the ring, she's with she's still with Kevin Silva at this time. Okay. Um, I'm not sure where they are in the quote unquote affair part, but that's that's where they're at. Gotta be um, more close because that was that's not yeah. that's not how you talk to someone that you're not like involved with. Exactly, exactly. Could have been work. Could have been work. Could have. Pilch, what do you got? Uh, so first thing is when I Google searched Miss Elizabeth, I got is Randy Savage bone saw? I can answer that question. Yes. Yeah. Yes, Randy Savage was bone saw. He was, he was bone saw. Uh, secondly, so the if the four horsemen win this match, then the winner of this match gets to pick someone out of the four horsemen to get a title shot against a giant. That's stupid. <laughs> like, why would the giant care if Ric Flair or Arn Anderson or Mongo gets title shot? Like, he's just going to destroy him. That, yeah. It's a stupid gimmick. Um, I did like the fact they, they brought Mongo out before the bell. He hits uh, the giant with a briefcase, then he runs back and 
That's where the giant goes away. It was Mongo. That's who it was. Of it course was it was Mongo. Who else would it have been? Fucking Mongo. <laughs> I think a weird WW or WW WCW trope is where they put like weird sayings on the back of the Speedos or whatever it is. So like the fact that Arn Anderson's butt just said like enforcer on the back, I just kept thinking yeah. like, okay, is this like a gay nightclub we're in? He's Which, the enforcer. He's, he's the enforcer, yeah. Arn Anderson. The enforcer of what? The four horse. Yeah, he's the enforcer. Oh, but what's he enforcing? Like he's, he's <sighs> I don't know how. To, like, like think of Mighty Ducks. Like uh, Fulton Reed, he's like you know one of the Bash. Like they're the enforcers. They're the Bash brothers. Like that's yeah, who so Arn Anderson. He's he's the if part. somebody needs to get yeah. eaten up, it's most likely going to be from Arn Anderson. Right, he's yeah, the so muscle. He, he's the muscle. So he plays hockey. Got it. Um, <laughs> He is from Minnesota, so maybe he does. Mm. He absolutely does. So how the giant got in was a botched brain buster, which, um, you know, uh, I don't know. I just I have a lot of feelings about this match. And, I, you know, I like Chris Benoit. I felt like they were trying to make him Tully so bad. That, like, I, I agree with Chris. I think something happened at the announce table where he snapped a little bit. And I think it happened because they wanted him to be, like, that, like, Tully Blanchard, like, four horsemen kind of guy. And that wasn't him. Right. And I I agree with Chris. I think it, it there was a little bit of real life in that, like, dive off the the stage onto Kevin Sullivan like it, it, I don't none of us will ever know exactly what the reason was mm-hmm. but I don't think it was a hundred percent scripted I think that was emotional like and you can yeah. see in his eyes you know what I mean like you know the difference between a shoe and a super over like this is you know this is reactionary and i i I think it was reactionary i agree with chris 100 percent um i would have liked to see more of the giant i did like the fact that he just you know picked kevin sullivan up on his shoulders and just walked out he almost fell over the top rope at one point which i thought was hilarious he did i was like if he's gonna spill kevin sullivan over and just like tumble um, I will say I'm not a big task Taskmaster Kevin Sullivan fan. I do love the Taskmaster. I'm a giant comic book fan. One of my favorite supervillains of all time. And the fact that uh, Kevin Sullivan adopted that moniker makes me a little angry. Is that why he adopted it? Is that because he just loves yeah. uh, Marvel? I I don't know. Taskmaster's been around since the '60s, so I, I would assume so. Maybe that's interesting. I'm surprised uh, Taskmaster wasn't on Warren's list from the pre-show. No, no, did not make the top five list that I did on the pre-show. As far as you know, wrestling goes, I thought Arn and uh, Benoit did a great job of cutting the ring in half. You know, as wrestling goes, it was very technically sound, which I right. appreciated. But um, 
you know, this match was eight minutes long, probably six minutes too long, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But there you go. Yeah. Um, strange. I got. I just want real quick. Very strange. Yeah. You know, you have this pay per view, but your heavyweight title was not defended. Your champion was in a match, yes, but your heavyweight title was not defended at a pay per view. I just think that is interesting. An interesting yeah. looking choice. In a very weird scenario, too. Like, who in the four horsemen poses a threat to the giant? Honestly. Well, I, I mean, you, you you always have to, I guess you always have to say Flair because. Right. He's right. Flair. He's going to be the guy. And then there's going to be, it's going to end up being four on one. Because the horsemen are always going to be in play to to have run some kind of interference, right? Um, but so yeah, I'd have to say it's got to no, be Flair. This is a completely different question, but I got the sense that the Dungeon of Doom was actually the baby face in the scenario, and the four horsemen were the heels. Hmm. Yeah. That's what I got. I thought that Dungeon of Doom was the face in this. I don't ever remember uh, Dungeon of Doom being any kind of a face in this. But I think in this I feel, scenario, I feel, like they they had, I feel like they had the crowd behind them. Right. I completely mm-hmm. agree. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And, right. and I would say if I was booking, I would have just switched to. Like, first of all, Mongo doesn't need a singles match. Get that. Who's Joe Gomez? Like, get that out of there. Mongo doesn't need to be on the pay per view at all. Well, Richmond, he's in Four Horsemen, so he's got to be in the pay per view. You take no, him he, out. You take that take match him out. out of Four Horsemen. Put him back put, in the NFL. You put Mongo in the tag match with Benoit against Taskmaster and Giant. You put, take Arn. You put the U.S. title on him, and then. Or, you know, Taskmaster and whoever else is in the Legion of Doom, Dungeon of Doom, whatever it is. And they're in the tag match. And then Giant and Flair for the title. Like, that's just what they should have done. Mm. But I guess that tag match is supposed to lead up to it, but they lost. So now that match doesn't happen. Like, you know, why not just have it? I don't know. I, I just, I would have booked it. Uh, that's why I, I would have booked it. I, I disagree because it. I don't know. Fine, put the title on Arn. I don't care. I just don't think no, that. No, I, I, I don't think you should put the title on anybody. I think. I, I, I if I was in the match, it would have been a giant squash match. In my, I am in my... a big proponent. I don't even know if that's the right word to use here, but I'm a. I I feel pay per views titles need to be defended. Yes. All titles at a pay-per-view. Like, this is your pay-per-view, and your heavyweight championship is just, you know, hands down, that's your main, you put that belt on your main guy, that's your headliner, you know, whatever. That title, regardless of the mid-card, regardless of tag team or whatever else you got, at least, at very least, your heavyweight championship title needs to be defended and they didn't do that and i just thought that's a weird it's a weird choice wwe can get away with it because they have two they can you know sometimes they do both sometimes they do one sometimes they do the other 
that's fine. At least one of your heavyweight titles needs to be defended. Here, here's the thing, though, and I, I, I would have liked to have seen a giant squash match. Like you get someone that's like an up and coming, like you know, baby face or whatever. Mm-hmm. He goes against the giant, just gets steamrolled, right? Right. Because you, you know, you're gonna put the 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 belt on Hogan soon. Okay. So you make the giant look even more menacing that when Hogan comes around and takes the belt off of him, it's even more impressive. It's a, mm-hmm. it, it gets him over even more. Not that even not that he ever needed it, but if I was booking the show, that's what I would have done is you take whom, whomever is up and coming, whether it's I don't know who's up and coming at this point. It's 96. I was 10 years old. But you have, yeah, you take take LaParca, right? Giant squashes him. And then when Hogan wins the belt off the Giant, it makes, it it elevates him even more than he already is going to be anyway. Mm. But I agree. I I do think that the belt should have been defended at some point in this pay-per-view. All right. And now... We are at the match that everybody has been waiting for. It is the six-man main event. Uh, They were calling it the hostile takeover. The Outsiders, plus their mystery third man, against Macho Man, Randy Savage, Sting, and Lex Luger. This match obviously goes to a no contest uh, because we get the... We find out the identity of the third man, which is Hulk Hogan, and they form the the and they were all kinds of stuff. I like that. I like all those drops. Hogan. Hogan. Hogan joining. Hogan joining up with these guys, um, I still remember the feelings that I had when I saw this happen. Um, It was going to be very hard to get Hogan the eternal babyface, at least for our lifetimes, uh, turn him onto with the fans. Um but they did a really good job with this, and um, I don't think anybody could have saw this coming. Uh, Hogan has always been the, the icon in wrestling. and for him to make that switch there, it was time. It was it was needed. Uh, his stuff in WCW up until that point was very uh, very blah, um, so they needed a little fresh. Uh, fresh start for him for that. Pilch. What do you have for this match? Outsiders versus Team WCW. And keep in mind, I can tell you right now, the score is tied. Oh, wow. <clears throat> oh, boy. No pressure, Pilch. No pressure. No pressure. So, I have a few notes here. First being... 
Is there anything more 90s than the video package before this match? Oh, I, God, I would like to talk about the video package, too. My only issue with the video package, I didn't like that the audio was so low and the soundtrack was so high. There was no audio. They just they, they were just oh, showing. Yeah. There was video. audio. Very, no, very it was like Microsoft, like PowerPoint audio. It was like do 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 do, and yeah. then they like show like they like, show like headlines. Yeah. <laughs> they okay. Like, so I so I could hear it on on the the computer that I used. They had some of the lines that they were using, like uh, Kevin Ash talking about this is where the big boys play, huh? Or um. Scott Hall, whatever he said when he first came, when he's got a big surprise, when he's talking about Kevin Nash coming next week, they had lines in there from those promos that they were showing, but you just, it was so, so faint. Like, why would you even bother to put it in there? Or either don't put it in there and just show the clips and the the newspaper clippings or turn the audio up so you can hear it. So it, it's funny you mention that because I, I actually heard that part, WCW where the big boys play. And I actually wrote in my notes, this is WCW where the big boys poke eyes. Cause that's been like the entire <laughs> paper. <laughs> A lot of eye pokes. <laughs> A lot of eye pokes. Uh, I thought getting Michael Buffer was great. Um, he they, added oh, they, some legitimacy oh, had to. Retainer, man. They had Michael Buffer. Yeah, I know. But like this this was the beginning of like the big match feel for Michael Buffer, I think. You know, you could have had Michael Buffer for other pay-per-views, but this was the one where it's like it it felt legitimate. Yeah. Um, you know, looking looking back on it from you know, knowing that Hogan's the third man and watching this over again, I thought the fact that they said it was a lottery to pick what three people would be on the WCW team was actually a smart move in retrospect. Because I think if you didn't know that there was a lottery to pick the team, then you might've suspected Hulk Hogan Mm -hmm. because he's the obvious missing link there. Right? Like you have the macho man, you have sting, you know, obviously Ric Flair's done his thing already. So, you know, Hogan would be like, Oh, that's the one big name we're missing. So it made sense that they made it a lottery. Um, I also like the fact that uh, Scott Hall's toothpick did not move for like the first like five <laughs> minutes of this match. Like he got hit in the face twice, and that thing was just stuck behind his ear. Didn't move at all. Um, I hated the fact absolutely hated the fact that I think they blew a giant opportunity here where it's a two on three and they have sting knock Lex Luger out. Like why not play into the fact that it's a two on three? Like why not put the outsiders over more that they're like beating down sting and Luger and savage and just, you know, cutting the ring in half, like making themselves look more dominant. And then there's a giant comeback by the other three. And that's when Hogan comes out. I think that was a huge missed opportunity. I also think that Randy Savage 
might be the worst tag team partner of all time. <laughs> That's a hot take, ladies and gentlemen. That is a hot take. Hot take. He distracts the referee so much when his partner needs him to just shut up and stand on the other side. It's like Sting is just getting the the crap kicked out of him. And Savage is like, whoa, 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 look at me. Yeah, I'm over here, like, causing a distraction. He just gets more beat up. It's like, Savage, just, like, get off the apron and shut up for a minute. And Sting could probably rally and tag you back in. But he just keeps distracting the ref and, like, keeps letting Sting get more beat up over and over and over. And I love the Macho Man. Don't get me wrong. But <laughs> you just don't want to be he, his tag partner. I don't. He's just going to leave out there. He's going to hang out there to dry. The Macho time. Man was a hundred percent in his in my moment of glory. That's all it was. Oh yeah. No, he he was all about it. He there there is one point where Sting is just getting repeatedly cracked in the face and the macho man runs in the ring. He's like, hey what are you doing, brother? Yeah. And then like the refs turned around and they just keep cracking him in the face like five or six more times. It's like, what are oh. you doing? Ugh um, the reveal is gigantic. I think the the pop where Hogan walks down the ramp is great. I I honestly, you know, if I could put myself in a time machine and wipe my memory and go back to 1996, I don't know if I would have seen this coming. Honestly, no, I don't think anybody did. And when he hits the turnbuckle and then hits the leg drop. And the crowd just reacts so, like, the crowd reaction is just so great when the ring is literally littered in trash. Like, they're throwing everything in there. And I thought Hogan, you know, they talk about people that cut, you know, great promos. He cut a fantastic promo. Yeah, he did. And I don't think, I, I think it's one of the most underrated promos of all time where he talks about how he came to WCW because this was going to be like his next launching point and they they've wasted his momentum. And I think where he says like I'm here just wasting my own time. I'm done wasting time. And I'm going to take this company to the next level. I literally goosebumps. It was great. I I I think the reveal was great. You know, the match itself subpar i guess if you take these six people and try to say like this is the match they had i think everyone would be disappointed but i think the story that was told fantastic it yes the match 100 percent was more about the story that they were telling than the actual wrestling match uh that was happening in the ring um chris yeah yo what do you got main event Outsiders versus Team WCW. So watching this match, I mean, it brought up a lot of feelings. Um, it felt like reliving a traumatic event. Uh, you know, as a young child, 
watching this. I was what, 96? I was nine at the time. What what month was this in 96? This was I think I have it on my notes here. July. July. So I would have been nine at the time. I would have just turned nine. A couple of nine-year-olds watching wrestling. And uh, I just, you know, I we had grew up. We were a WWF family. You know, Hulk Hogan, he's the reason I took my vitamins. He was the reason I ate my vegetables. You know, I should have drank milk. I didn't like milk, but I did all the other stuff, you know, respected my old adults and all that, said my prayers. Yep. Hulk Hogan. That's why I did it. And this was, you know, the the whole night. Let me tell you, lead up to this match. Can we can can I get a horn? Can I get an air horn for uh Mean Gene one more time? Oh, of course. Can I get an air horn for Mean Gene? I tell you, Mean Gene, I know we've complimented him this entire time, but he really did a bang up job. With all of his backstage correspondence stuff, standing outside of the locker room, the tease of, I I heard the voice, it's muffled, I can't tell who it is, but it's ringing in the back of my head. Like, the, 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 the tease of that, like, I'm not sure who it is, I can't say for sure, but I know that voice. I know that voice. I don't know how I know it, but I know it. And then... um. You know, all night, it's just, we're waiting to see, we're waiting to see. And then um, the actual match, you know, the outsiders come out. Michael Buffer gets them down. They they have this impromptu uh, interview in the in the ring about where's this third man. Um, somebody's Chico. trigger finger for the pyro went off a little too early um, because they forgot about Gene doing his little interview spot. Um, then we got... Uh, we got Luger Sting, Macho Man come out. Um, I wrote one of my notes is Lex Lex sells almost as bad as Mongo. Like he just is very over the top with all of his cells throughout this. Totally match. agree. Whole time and just like just Lex totally Luger's the worst. I can't believe he's even a person. Yeah, he's he's so stiff. He's stiff in the ring. He's his selling is too much um i don't know whatever he but you know lex express man um the knockout i agree with you pilch what it was what two minutes into the match and lex gets carted out on the stretcher after being you know stinger splash like caught with in the stinger splash in the corner like why they like it do we don't really need that like we don't either you know save that spot you know, have it be a, you know, it's a three on two. So these guys can dominate or, you know, it can be the outsiders are, are doing a good job cutting off the ring. And then, you know, they then the numbers game catches up with them. Then they do the spot to even the game. And then it's more of like now that, now that it's even, the outsiders are starting to take over. And then, you know. The, the finale or whatever, but I just thought it was way too early to get Lex out of there. I just thought that was weird. Um, there was an elbow botch. Big Sexy gets in the ring, tries to deliver an elbow to the Macho Man. Macho Man was supposed to evade it, 
but he didn't roll the right way or didn't roll far enough. And Big Sexy comes down hard on top of Macho's head, um, cranking his neck a little bit. So he had to get out of there, but he seemed to recover and did okay. Um, Again, Pilch, hot take on the tag team. Uh, Not one saying Macho Man is a terrible tag team partner, but so, so accurate. Just don't talk to the ref. Just stay out there. And then the ref will see the shenanigans and break it up. Like, you just got to wait a second. He just couldn't. He's chomping at the bit. He wants to get in the match, but he's doing more harm than good. I totally agree with you on that. Um, then Chris, can I, can I interject for a second? Yes, sure. So, uh, that I I also had a note about that Nash elbow, and mm-hmm. I was curious. I I wrote, "Do you think it's a work?" Question mark. No, no, that was an accident. Macho Man was you supposed to it was a, You think so? Yeah, Macho Man was supposed to roll out the way. And like Nash was supposed to miss because it was supposed to lead into the, you know, they're both down and hurt and Macho Man has to crawl to make the tag. That's what they were going for. But Macho Man didn't roll enough and got caught on the top of his dome and like hurt his neck. See, I I think like it was definitely a missed spot, obviously. But Mm. I also think that it was supposed to hit to the point where it hurt. And I think it, it he got too much of it. Does that you make think sense? So. I, kind of, yeah. I mean, I think that uh, it was supposed to incapacitate him a little bit, and they missed. And Savage didn't sell it at all. I don't think he needed to sell. It. I think he was really hurt. I think he. I think he really hurt himself. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, I, just, I, guess, I guess I mean the only two people I know are Kevin Nash and the Macho Man, right? R.I.P. Um, but then, so you know, uh, Sting was—I believe Sting was incapacitated outside. Um, Macho Man laying in the middle of the ring, all hope seems to be lost, and then Hulk Hogan. Sporting the yellow, the yellow and red trunks. He's got his bandana on. And great American. Great American. He's strutting down to the ring. And the guys I uh, also throughout the match, commentator team, very biased. This whole match. They do not want the outsiders to win. They're all you know, we don't want anybody to really get hurt, but rip their goddamn heads off. Like they were just, you know, really good at it. You know, I would never in a million years say this, but I hope these two break their necks. Like they would just say stuff like that throughout the entire match. And then they all, you know, they're all looking. They're all see Hogan shutting down. They're like, yes, they're cheering. They're, they're happy. They're elated. We're going to win team WCW. Is going to triumph. We got Hogan. He must be an alternate since Luca got hurt. Bobby the Brian asks a very point, uh, 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 a very, very important question. Which side is he on? Right. Shivani and uh, who else was it? It was Shivani, Heenan, and um, Dusty. 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 They're all like, the what plumber. are you talking about? 
They're like, what are you talking about? What do you what do you mean? What side is he on? He's on our side, of course. Like, what in like, you know, just the audacity that you would say, what side is he on? He's like, and you know, they don't call him the brain for nothing. Because the brain knows. Or the Brian. Or the Brian. Brian always knows. But dare I say, this is the most important, most um, uh, milestone, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for? The most like significant leg drop Hulk Hogan has ever delivered. And it is to a beaten and incapacitated macho man laying in the ring. And I remember seeing this as a kid and my jaw just dropped. My father's jaw dropped. My brothers dropped. Like everyone is shocked. The crowd erupts i mean this was the biggest thing in wrestling hogan turned his back on his longtime friend macho man randy savage he turned his back on the wcw all the the commentary you know heenan and 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 shivani and dusty they couldn't believe it and i mean start of an era for the for the nwo i mean one of the greatest factions ever i don't know yeah, if you're a wrestling fan, I mean, you were just you were throwing up two sweets with all your friends. You you're saying you're you know in your NWO, your NWO for life. Like that was, I mean, who? Everyone was an NWO. Everybody wanted to be an NWO. For life, yeah, exactly. So, but I mean, this night it was just it was a little too much to take in seeing this hero turn his back on the very fans that he once pumped up every night it was just it was heartbreaking but knowing what we know now i mean it was great it was it was amazing it the the nwo was probably the greatest faction ever and and i'm glad it happened um also i do want to say i really liked hogan's promo where he alludes to the other guys talking about how he made that company and he was the backbone of this the other guys and carried them and just you know just really throwing a lot of shots at the wwf up north up um, north yeah that's the, <laughs> the, the, the competition up north you know we know who you're talking about and you know what i mean he's he's not wrong no he wasn't wrong know. guys he was spitting facts he wasn't the biggest icon in wrestling for nothing. <laughs> um, so uh, two things I wanted to point out here. I thought it was weird at first. It seemed like Tony Shivani was not referring to the outsiders by name. Um, he wouldn't call him Hall. Wouldn't wouldn't call Scott Hall Hall. Wouldn't said, call Kevin Nash Nash. We referred to him one time. He said Hall on the right, Nash on the left. That was it. Yeah, but the rest but of the time, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Outsiders. These outsiders. This. These outsiders. That. But, but, but. I don't. I don't know if that was uh, something like he just refused to. I didn't know if that was something where he was trying to play that he didn't know their names. Uh, but Dusty was freely calling them 
Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. I think uh, it was more it was that was more work like him just being like disgusted by the outsiders like the yeah. these these outsiders coming in thinking they own the place but like he didn't want it was work for like he has to play it up like we don't want you we know where you came from we don't want you here we don't want your kind here you guys are troublemakers like it was all it was all a work i don't think it was I don't know what else it could have been, but I, I think it was. I think that was purposeful, kind also, of play yeah. the, the separation of WCW and where they were. The, they were coming from the competition up north. Yeah, we also haven't talked about how unhinged Dusty Rhodes was in this entire pay per view. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> he's out he of was, control. He was out of control for most of the pay per view. It was all uh, fantastic. <laughs> And then the other thing I wanted to mention, when Hogan was doing his promo, uh, for a second he forgot that uh, it was the New World Order and called it the New World Organization. He actually did it three times. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Um, I, I just got I got a kick out of that. Brother. Uh, so we let's uh, wrap this up as uh, as quickly as we can. We're running really long uh, with Ooh, this. This is a long one, guys. This is a long one. It's a great pay per view. It it was it and it, amazing because a lot of the we had a lot of matches. There were ten matches on this card, and for the middle of the pay per view where it was really just kind of random mess. The end it was heavy with the the title match, the tag match with the Horsemen and the Dungeon of Doom, and obviously this uh, Outsiders and the forming of the NWO. Chris, what do you have for your awards? Well, <laughs> uh, let's see. Hold on one second. I gotta adjust my little setup here. Sorry. Go with go with Pilch first. Go with Pilch. Pilch, what do you have for your awards? Uh, my cream of the crop goes to the Carson City Silver Dollar match, obviously. Of course. The cream of the crop. Of course you would. Uh, only because I just <laughs> I enjoy a good gimmick as much as the next person. Gotcha. Uh, my ripe bananas. Don't buy any unripe bananas yet, because you won't live to eat them, yeah. Goes to uh, Joe Gomez and Mongo, because, uh-huh. I mean, is there another choice at this point? Uh, so my awards, I went with the Flair-Conan match as my cream of the crop. The cream of the crop! Uh, I thought it was the best match on the card and the finish with the flare pin on the top rope with the, uh, feet on the rope was the, the best finish of the night. Uh, my ripe bananas, The taped fist match for the Lord of the Ring with Diamond Dallas Page and Jim Duggan just wasn't 
Just didn't enjoy it. Wasn't ah. long. Communist hacksaw Jim Duggan. Got it. <laughs> Chris. All right. I'm ready now. Sorry about that. Uh, no. So for my cream of the crop award. The cream of the crop. I'm giving it to Ray and Psychosis. I really enjoyed this match. I loved all the high spots, all the high flying. I really liked the finish. Um, just a great cruiserweight Mexican luchador matchup. I really liked it. Um, I am actually going to throw in an extra award. Uh, this is this one's a new one. We haven't done this yet, but this is the. Uh... Oh, hold on. Idiot. This is the stupid idiot award. This goes to the Booker who came up with the Carson City silver dollar matchup. How Thank dare you? you how, how dare you? Dare you come up with this kind of a matchup? It's just no, just no. Okay, no. That was my cream of the crop. I love the Carson City Silver Dollar. Yeah, well, the the Carson City match gets gets the old uh, stupid idiot. So sorry about it. Um, and then uh, right bananas. I agree with Warren. Right bananas goes to the taped up match. Wait, how do you not give the bongo match the right bananas? That match was the worst listen, wrestling match I listen, ever watched. Listen. I I hear you. You make a very valid point. <laughs> that is, that is clearly the 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 one B to the one A of the tape fist match. Right. If if the tape fist match didn't exist in this card, it would go to Mongo. But, but at least that you have two legitimate professional you. wrestlers right. in the tape fist match. That should tell you how bad that match was. Because they, oh. lost, they, they're getting, they're getting the right bananas over Mongo. Like that's, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. Oh, you're you're both just wrong. Well, All right, let's let's get to the final score. And in a shocking development, we have a tie. What? <laughs> The score is 24 to 24. Oh, um, but what, what I world is, is your scoring system? How did, how did any, <laughs> either one of us get the 24? We made, a, uh, we made well, a lot of good points. Made a lot of salient points. Um, so what I'll do here is I, I counted uh, each match as to who won that particular match. And there were a good number of them where you guys tied. But if we're counting who won the most matches and I included the bonus points, Chris won one, two, two. Pilch won one, two, three, and four, including the bonus points. Pilch will get the win here today. Warren, could you break down which matches I won? I'm just curious. Which matches you won? Yeah. Uh, so you you obviously won the bonus point. 
Um, the Rey Mysterio story was was a big part of that. Uh, you won the main event match, uh, the Outsiders and the uh, and Team WCW. You for I for whatever reason, Chris didn't get any points for the Malenko and Disco match, and you got one point. I didn't get uh, any point for the Malenko Disco match. I don't know how that happened. I didn't, have, well, I didn't have any points for it. I just had that one thing. Malenko was tougher than a $2 steak. That was it. And I didn't really have much to say about it. It's not fine. It's totally fine. Uh, and then you also, and then Pilch also won the Mongo Joe Gomez match. Mm. Huh. I would have thought for what sure you- it was a hacksaw match. Uh, no, that one was tied. That was 2 2. Oh. Chris, uh, Chris won the Mysterio Psychosis match. Uh, and he won the Flair Conan match as well. Okay. So, Warren, we have to assign our uh, our woos before we sign off. Yes, yes. Uh, Pilch, how many woos are you giving Bash at the Beach 96? I'm going to give Bash at the Beach 96 4.25 woos. Woo! Lofty, four, four point two five. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it four point two five because, not because the wrestling was great, but I feel like like this pay per view started what we see now in wrestling, and without the whole Hogan heel turn. Without the Carson City Silver Dollar match, I mean, who even knows if wrestling would even be a thing now? <laughs> That's a hot take. Ridiculously <laughs> stupid take. But honestly, like I, you know, I know most of it's goofy and it's not really that great. But I, I enjoyed at least two hours of this two and a half hour match. <laughs> Chris, how many woos are you giving this this pay per view? I'm, I, 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 I don't know. I'm gonna give it three and a half woos. Um, it was good. It was. I just the uh, that Carson City match. I don't remember. I really don't remember it. I nobody. I don't really, and I can't believe that that this match ever got booked. I really just can't believe it ever got booked. Just have a regular match between the two of them and let them let two big guys just like duke it out. Like okay, but then you have the stupid stipulation that didn't really work. And I mean, yeah, we got to see Jimmy. Yeah, we got to see Jimmy Hart shimmy up a pole, but like, do we really fantastic? It's good. I needed it. Also, the tape fist match, real stupid. Like, blah, you know, I feel like if you took out all these dumb gimmick matches, maybe not all of them, the, the dog collar match you can leave in. But you take out that tape fist match, you take out the Carson City silver dollar match, you, you take out the Mongo match because Mongo doesn't need a spot, then I think you have a really solid pay per view. You know, you got your <laughs> fight, you got your. You got your, uh, you know, your your lucha libres in there. The the uh, cruiserweights fight. The you know U.S. titles defended. You got a tag team match, and then the the main event. Like I think that would be, and then you, you know you can extend a couple of those matches. 
Um, I don't know. I just, I don't know. The gimmicks. The gimmicks. Why? I just, ah. No. So I um I'm gonna give this pay per view a uh, three and a half woos. Three and a half woos. If I would probably give it four, like you mentioned, Chris, if the pay per view consisted of Mysterio psychosis and then from Flair Conan the rest of the way. If that was just the pay per view, maybe. Mm, and maybe throw in, maybe if you threw in D- DDP Duggan as like the cool down match. But just be a regular like, match. Like, why does it, I'm saying like, it doesn't need to take, well, I mean, it was a regular match. Like, true. fist match is a regular, but it's just, I don't know. I just. Uh, but Malenko and, and Disco, I could have done without. Mongo is Mongo. The tag team match, just throw that right in the garbage. Tenta <laughs> uh, and Bubba. Uh, Tenta and Bubba Rogers. I mean, I would have. I was okay with the match. Uh, just the stipulation didn't fit them, and they had to, you know, right. use the service of Jimmy Hart to go up there and get the, uh, get the silver dollars. I just, I don't ever want to watch that match again. Uh, I really don't. Well, I'm watching <laughs> it right now. Yeah, jokes on you, Warren, because Pilch is picking this pay per view again for the next week. <laughs> <laughs> So while Pilch watches the Carson City Silver Dollar match again, we are going to get out of here. Let's go over our particulars. Uh, IG, we are at Triple R Pod. We're on Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash Triple R Pod. The website, Triple R Podcast.com. Email the real Triple R Podcast at gmail.com. And we are on the Twitter at Triple R Pod, all one word. Fellas, it was a long knockdown, drag out pay per view. And I will see you guys next week. Chris, Me. enjoy. I'll uh, we'll try. Our podcast was longer than this pay per view, wasn't it? Uh, or it might be the, the same time. The pay-per-view was 245, so we're at 222. We're creeping on it. We're creeping on it. We're creeping on it. Pilch, enjoy the Carson City Silver Dollar match. Hulk Hogan, you can go to hell. (laughs) Hulk Hogan, you go to hell. We're out of here. (laughs) (laughs) The best best sign-off from any pay-per-view. We will see you guys next week uh, on Wednesday. For our pre-show, and we'll discuss what pay-per-view we're watching that uh, Pilch is going to pick out. But until then, enjoy and good night.